Welcome to Beyond the Shelf. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. We are joined today by entrepreneur Dan Kurzrock. Dan is co-founder of Regrain, a mission-driven company creating foods that are good for you and good for the planet by rescuing nutritious edible byproducts and upcycling them into delicious, versatile ingredients. Prior to starting Regrain, Dan was a consultant and manager in the digital marketing space. He's also a board member with the Upcycled Fueled Association in the Natural Bay area. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me on. All right. So we'll get a little bit deeper into um, you know, the, the whole concept of food waste and you know, maybe get, get, get a global kind of universal picture of how much waste there is and, and uh, you know, what the potential is behind that. But first, tell us a little bit about you and uh, I think it was your business partner, Jordan, and how you started Regrain. Yeah, for sure. So this has been quite a journey uh, with, with Regrain. We actually, it's, it's funny, you know, hearing you read my background because prior to, like Regrain actually started as a project as an undergrad at UCLA um, about 10 years ago now. I, you know, I learned how to make beer when I was 19 which is a lot of fun as a, as a hobby, especially when you're of an age that is unable to, <laughs> to purchase a product. Too. <laughs> <laughs> no, had, it's actually legal to purchase the ingredients and to make beer. You just couldn't drink it, which of course we never did. Um, and so it was, uh, you know, made our, made our mothers proud, uh, certainly. And so, yeah, my, my background is actually in a lot of ways doing this and you know this is 2009 2010 no one was talking about food waste um food upcycling and we were one of the first to start talking about bringing this this idea of upcycling into into the food world in a lot of ways it's just kind of historical kind of conventional wisdom with a trendy rebrand although there's some philosophical differences that i can get into that, that that upcycling food apart from making, you know, hot dogs, <laughs> for example. Um, and I was just a, yeah, an, an undergrad. I, don't know, I studied economics. I got very into the hobby of making beer and discovered every batch I made. I was also using a lot of grain. It was about 30 pounds of grain for a five-gallon batch. It comes down to about a pound, you know, for like an average pale ale, something like that. It's about a, a pound of grain that you use, of barley to make one six pack of beer. And the beer making process I learned uh, only really cares about taking the sugar from the barley. So what you're left with as a byproduct of the brewing process is a grain that has had its sugars extracted, which means it's a concentration of other nutrients, right? So it's got fiber, it's got protein. Um, there's, There's a lot of good stuff like pre you know prebiotics that's that's left in this material that is only waste stream because it can't be used to make any more beer. So kind of realized that the, the beer making process is also creating this kind of shadow supply chain that I learned was going best case to lower uses like animal feed or, or compost. Um, and there's literally tens of billions of pounds just in the U.S. alone of of this you know, supply chain available. And 
thought that it, uh, at first that we would just have a brewery that was also a bakery. That was kind of the first iteration of the business model. And pretty soon realized that with the boom in craft beer, remember this is 2009, 2010, right? When things were really starting to take off in the microbrewery movement and more and more breweries opening up in cities. I mean, you're from San Diego. That's a huge hotspot, of course, for, for craft mm-hmm. beer. And realized that there might be an opportunity to come up with a way to help these breweries create a food grade supply chain and work with food companies, you know, chefs, product developers to bring a new ingredient that could help them make more marketable foods that are, you know, better for people, better for the planet, and of course, great tasting. And um everything we've been been working towards, you know, started as a side hustle and eventually became a full-time gig in about 2016 or so um you know has been towards this this vision of helping to create a food system that does more with less um we think it makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels and it's uh you know it's it's work that is purposeful and, and fun in a lot of ways although right now especially challenging and crazy um but that's yeah, I, I can I kinda of talk a lot here, Scott, so sorry about that. But um that's a bit about, you know, where where the business kinda of came from and um you know, where we're going is is far you know, far and beyond from here, but I know we're much, much further along than when we started. Sure. Well you know, it's, it's great great to hear your story. There's a couple um tidbits in there I pull forward and just so our listeners are aware, uh Dan's, you know, little little joke there about the now. It's because we're we're recording here first week of April, so we're uh, whenever you're listening, you can remember what it was like in the first week of April uh, with the COVID nineteen crisis. So we're not going to get too much into that, um, but it is obviously on everyone's mind right now. Uh, so yeah. you you shared some numbers, and you know, my I almost fell out of my chair as you mentioned. I believe it was one pound of grain. Or a six pack of IPA, um, you know. You, you think about granted it's water, but you know a six pack of IPA seems to weigh about a pound. So just that that, um, <laughs> that, that kind of almost it, juxtaposition. Yeah. Well, what else is kind of crazy is that that so you know what you're doing in the beer making process, just you know super high level, is you've got malt. Malt is basically sprouted barley, um, and you soak hot water and kind of like a big batch of oatmeal then the breweries are extracting this like sugar water called wort from that that mixture Um, and that's what goes on to become beer you boil it you add hops you cool it down you add you know you add yeast and it ferments and you know everyone drinks it and feels better about the world um but way back in the beginning you know there is you know there's all this all this grain the the took resources to produce so if you look at you know you mentioned water um about 90 percent of the water footprint of beer is actually in the agricultural supply chain for the barley itself so that pound of grain that it took approximately to make that six pack of of beer uh used over 300 gallons, I think it's like 330 gallons of water to wow. you know, produce and process the barley. That's like more than a two hour shower, right? And all we're using in the grain for in the beer making process is the sugar. You know, so what we're doing is we're saying, hey, 
we put all this all these resources, you know, both planetary and also financial, into producing this this food, and let's put it to best use. And that's what upcycling is really all about. Wow! So it's almost like a double waste, you know, and not just the barley itself, but the you know the water. And I, I suppose you could uh, using your an economics degree, you could extend that into labor costs and, and all the way through about how much waste there is. Just so you know, I can enjoy a nice a nice IPA on a Friday night. Um, so, and then you know, you you multiply that, and you start thinking about you know. We're talking about craft beer here in IPA, but how much waste there must be from a Budweiser facility, a Coors facility. I mean, it's just, it must be literally train, train uh, loads of it. So I, yeah, I, it's, I, it's, 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 it's really hard to visualize, you know, and, and these, they, just to be clear too, like these breweries aren't being wasteful. You know, they're, they're just making beer. They're in the business of making beer. Just the, the beer making process also creates this other product. Right. And what we want to see is that product going to its best use. And many, many breweries, most of them, you know, either donate it or sell it for cattle feed, you know, and, and, and other kind of farm uses, uh, you know, pigs and cattle mostly. And it's because it's, it's kind of the path of least resistance. You know, this stuff is about 85% water. So it's very heavy and wet and it spoils really quickly and the breweries need to get it out and it's uh, inexpensive, can be an inexpensive you know, feed, but you know, if it gets preserved and what we did, we actually have a patent Scott on how we uh, preserve this as a, we turn it into a flour, you know, so it's like a powder that can be used in all kinds of different food applications. You know, what we're doing is we're coming in and we're, we are closing the loop in a, into a, a, a food, you know, human food supply chain. And so it creates, you know, it's a, it's a better use. It's higher on the, on the hierarchy than, you know, virtually any, anything else that you can, you know, you could do with it. That's great. Yeah. You see IP protection for your company there too. So when, when you got started, did you find that a lot of the big breweries having obviously, you know, a century of existence and, and, you know, plenty of bean counters, uh, were, uh, I'm going to call it recycling because I wouldn't quite call it upcycling, but doing something with it, right? But were you finding that a lot of the more smaller craft local breweries, what were they doing? Because, uh, you know, I'm just picturing, you know, we're here in San Diego, you picture any of these hundred startups. And I'm curious what they did when they realized, while well, we have all this, um, you know, this waste all of a sudden, they, they may or may not have thought. Did you find that there was... Uh, more of an opportunity to work with the small ones because they had not yet, you know, figured out their, um, gosh, what do you call it? Disposal chain, disposal chain, I guess, not a supply chain. It's a really good, really thoughtful question. And, you know, what it's pointing to, you know, and, and you seem to like, you know, numbers, I'm sure, you know, a few more do like right around, I don't know what this year's stats were. I think it was last year, maybe the year before there was on average more than two new breweries opening per day in the U S so San Diego is obviously a hot spot. A lot of them opening up in cities and an urban brewery has uniquely urban challenges. And that's something that we, we realized pretty early on. We were brewing in uh, Los Angeles at the time, you know, Westwood when we were, we were college students and, um, you know, breweries were starting to open up and we talked to some brewery owners there who said that they had a hard time getting a farmer to come to their brewery because why would they, if they could go to a brewery that's closer to them? Right. Right. Um, and so urban breweries, depending on where they are, you know, often have 
you know, less options. Um, and in some cases that might mean paying a waste management company actually to come and, and pick it up and haul it away mm-hmm. to compost if you're in a city that has compost or, or landfill in a city that doesn't. You know, I'd say by volume, that's a small percentage of the overall grain, but it's, it's still millions of pounds that's going to, to landfill, um, depending on, all depending on where where the brewery is and what the you know what's available to them locally and you look at a city like san francisco we've got nearly 40 breweries here in seven miles by seven miles uh, you know small city less than a million people more breweries in neighborhoods and to get into the city you gotta from, from two of the three directions uh, you know you've got to cross a bridge you know too <laughs> tolls and there's you know it's it's just it's more complicated, you know, for the, the smaller urban breweries. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd love to see our, our solution, you know, be, be something that's, you know, that's viable for, um, you know, for the kind of the urban ecosystem, you know. Yeah, it, it, makes sense. it makes total sense. So, so share a little bit about what that logistical system is like. What, what's kind of your promise to these breweries that, you know, you show up daily with a truck. What, what does it kind of look like? What, what, what's your pitch to them? Yeah, that's that's what it is today. It's like, hey, let's let's take something that is currently a pain in the ass, honestly, to deal with. Like they can't make more beer without getting rid of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and then you know, and provide a today. You know, we're not we're not uh, purchasing it from the breweries. You know, longer term, we do want to create shared economic value with our with our brewery partners. So that's part of the pitch too. Is hey, we're help, we're gonna we're building a market right now. As that market becomes robust, you know, there will be not just savings for you in terms of like your hauling fees and you know just you know, labor and you know headache and dealing with it but we'd love to also um you know, create a you know robust marketplace where this this is valued as the as a superfood ingredient um you know one of the kind of bigger picture dreams here also is to set up regional regranaries right now we have one in berkeley um, these theoretically could go, this is, this is where they're patented you know, machinery. So we work with the USDA to kind of figure out how to do this thing. Um, and these could go conceivably on site as well, or be mobile, uh, and, you know, just help just create a new normal. That's what we want to do. We want to create a new normal for the way that all nutritious edible byproducts, um, are, are handled, you know, and turn them into into co-products. If you look at dairy pro- dairy processing, you know, for cheese, whey is the the byproduct there. You know, whey protein is now such a big market that you've got some cheese makers that used to have to pay to get rid of their whey, who now have cheese as their byproduct because whey is there. <laughs> you know, oh, I, mean, I never even but, connected those dots. That's a good point. Well, what others are there out there that I haven't thought of? You mentioned a little bit tongue and cheek hot dogs earlier, but what else is out there that None of us have thought about it. Yeah, well, so, yeah, I mean, so some of the, the way is one of my favorite ones to share with with, with folks because it's a, kind of a, it's a really clear analog, I think, to what to what we're doing. You know, there's, in terms of ones that are being done actively, um, you know, with people, a funny example also is baby carrots. You know, these have been around for a while. You know, it's not like farmers are harvesting little baby carrots, they're, they're big carrots. <laughs> You know that are uh, to deem too ugly to sell as is, and then they're trimmed down to the baby carrot format. 
Um, and when before those came around, there wasn't because of cosmetic standards. You know, there wasn't. Uh, you know, it was to help make sure that even though there's still waste from making a baby carrot, you know, that, that carrot's you know about to about to market. So I think that's one of the. But it's also this is very you know old old wisdom. Like um, it's never made sense to waste food because wasting food is wasting money, right? So you look at like an animal, you know, animal products, you, you know, and there's, you know, the expression, you know, everything but the squeal. Um, and you've got, you know, from the prime cuts of meat all the way down to, uh, you know, broth that are made from the, the bones and, 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 and carcasses, right? Um, you know, we like to support plant-based <laughs> products, but that's, you know, a part of a, a huge part of the food system. Now there's where I feel there's the most opportunity that hasn't been tapped into yet is in uh, a lot of beverage production. So to make pretty much any beverage, you're going to have some sort of residual solid that's left left over. Um, you know, grain from beer being a being a great example, but you know the uh, pulp from carrot juice, for example, is very nutritious and uh there's also really interesting ones like the cherry from the poppy plant you know we consume the bean but it's wrapped in a in a, in a fruit and that that coffee fruit is really high in antioxidant high in antioxidants and also has um you know as a source of caffeine and um, there's some companies doing some interesting stuff with that there's another group it's kind of similar looking at uh, cacao and the cacao fruit you know, so to make chocolate again, we're mostly accustomed to the bean. There is a fruit involved there. Um, or one of my favorite examples is an in, is an inverse of of us, uh, where there's a company called Toast, and they take surplus bread and they use that to make beer. Uh, it's it, it really eye opening, isn't it? It, it, it? You mentioned that the idea of wasting food is very contemporary. Thing, right? I mean, I'm sure uh, our great grandmothers never would have wasted food, right? You, if you got something, you figured out how to make something with whatever was left over. Um, it's only until I would say, I don't know, it's probably, I could argue, probably 70, 80 years that mass production has led to, to waste. Yeah, it's probably you know. more recent that we've actually decided, hey, let's do something with this you know, um, as you're doing. What, so, so tell us about some of the products that you're actually creating with this. And, and I want you to, to beat the drum a little bit more because uh, I'm, I'm a believer, but I, I, I'm going to admit just a tiny bit of a skeptic here. I'm just curious a little bit about, you know, it's hard to wrap my head around that all the nutritional value is being pulled forward. And then I'm also curious about taste. I can't help but sit here and say, whatever byproduct is coming out of making my IPA, must have a bitter taste or something to it. So I want you to talk about the products that you're making, but um, convince me as well, if you, if you will, along the way. Yeah, yeah, it's, and along the way is a good good choice of words. Um, a little annoyingly punny here um, with what we're talking about. <laughs> so the, uh, yeah, thanks for the, the cheap laugh there. Um, so uh, it's, it's a really good point. So taste is king, right? And it's, uh, you know, a product can't taste like a good idea and people aren't going to buy something just for these mm. altruistic values of, oh, we shouldn't waste, right? And that's uh, a perfectly valid concern. And 
and you flip that to the, the marketing side of it too. And you think about, okay, so we're trying to sell these products that are, you know, environmentally beneficial and you want to market them for that because people want to buy products that help the planet. You know, they, at least they say they do in surveys and all the data, you know, suggests that they, that they will. But then how do you communicate the fact that they're helping fight food waste with the product that they're eating without yucking their yum also. Right. Right. So there's, you know, there's, there's some nuance here. And so let, let, we can we can speak at length about some of these other supply chains that are that are out there if we want to get into it. Let's talk about what Regrand is is doing today, which is the we make a we call it Super Grain Plus out of the the, um, the barley from the, the beer making process. It's a flour. It you looked at if you were to look at it, it would just look like a toasted flour. It's got got a caramel hue to it. It's got a kind of toasty nutty aroma to it, but it's very neutral, you know, so if you, if you're accustomed to baking, for example, and I've ever made a rye bread and you can, you know, picture how rye has some unique uh, flavor, you know, properties mm-hmm. to it over whole wheat. It, you know, if you, when you make, when we make bread with, with, with three grain, super grain plus kind of, kind of similar, it's got, uh, it's got really nice aroma and, and, and baking, you know, flavor that, that comes out. Um, through the inclusion of it in a, you know, in a recipe, but it's not so, and this isn't true for all ingredients that are out there. Some ingredients have very bitter flavor. Oh, you mentioned bitter. Actually, let me just address that. So hops are inter- hops are what make IPAs bitter or what makes beer bitter in general. Hops are added to the liquid that is made, that, that sugar liquid that I was talking about called wort that is um, extracted from the grain. So there's no hops that ever touch these grains. It's literally just like a, giant volume of oatmeal would be mm, okay yeah and so what we're doing and the, the the way that we first you know started thinking about this was uh, try to you know try to spoonful of it after brewing it's like oh this stuff is tastes kind of like cereal you know this is not anything crazy I and mean, we looked it up and there was brew pubs around the country that had been made pizza doughs or mm. burger buns or things like that at a small scale before and so there is a history of human consumption here you know what we're doing is scaling it um, and you know we do that by you know this our unique way of stabilizing it from going bad you know so like we can actually make you know large volumes of this flour that can be used in a lot of different uh recipes now our own pro- our own brand has products that we sell into you know, Whole Foods and you know, places like that. Um, we have a nutrition bar that's been in the market for a few years now. It's called the Regrain Bars. There's three flavors of those. That was kind of the first format that we came out with. We were making them by hand at first, and you know it's a lot easier to make a hundred of them in an afternoon than it was to make a hundred loaves of bread. That's literally why we made <laughs> bars. Um, <laughs> Little did we know about how saturated that market would would become, right? So that's been, um, you know, competing in the Great Wall of Bars is a, you know, a ton of fun. Um, but then we actually just just this month, um, or last month, I guess, end of last month, we launched a new product under the Regrain brand, which is a a puffed chip. So we have five flavors of these puffs that are now, uh, they should be on store shelves now, but with everything going on with COVID, that's all delayed, and so online is, is where we're uh, distributing these uh, on our website and on our Amazon app and Imperfect Foods uh, at, at the moment. And those have fl- uh, flavors like Mexican street corn, Texas pit barbecue, aged sharp cheddar, 
Urban Garden, which is like our take on a savory vegetable and herb flavor. And there's a, a smoked sea salt and pepper, which is actually one of my personal personal favorites, a little kind of sophisticated twist on a, on a classic um, flavor profile. And we're able to create these products with these really interesting flavor profiles because our hero ingredient actually does taste great and it's and it's neutral enough where you can kind of build these these profiles around it with uh with no with no problem and we've got partners that make like we got a pasta company that's making some pasta bavarian style pretzel company that's making pretzels um there's some interesting beverage applications that i can't talk too much about or also like a sauce i've got a group that made replaced a modified cornstarch and a barbecue sauce um and you know brought in regrain which added some nice uh flavor and also nutrition you know anything that anything that you add it to it's going to boost generally reduce calories and increase fiber you know content because of the high amount of prebiotics um which support digestive health and then there's there's some you know, health claims that can be can be made there too so it's it's a really exciting ingredient i think because it checks so many boxes for both product developers and marketers around being something that is unique and has a great story and a great mission behind it but that also has some really nice functional benefits in in, in a you know in a recipe and most importantly a, a flavor that's really fun to highlight not hide mm -hmm. and and uh you know i want to mention for folks too they can go on regrain.com and purchase and you mentioned whole foods and uh and a number of other stores do you have national distribution yet we do with some well you know again everything's messy right right now generally right, right. yes like so um cost plus world market you know most people notice world market carries our, mm -hmm. our bars nationally um you know we're in kind of retailers all over the country too um mostly we're west coast based and um it's the the bar that has been in distribution up until you know last month and you know, the puffs will be getting out as soon as things kind of return to normal but until then we're just trying to get creative and how we get them get them out there to folks yeah we get this wonderful fun packaging it should be easy for folks to find do, do you think now um price wise uh i would describe it as still kind of early stage company um you know it's a couple bucks a bag it's nothing nothing crazy or anything but i only mention it because i, I want to ask the question of um as you scale is there an expectation that the price would come down because it is something that's upcycled? I'm just sitting here as a below average economist thinking, well, if they don't have to grow the barley and it's, you know, being acquired at, at either a lower than you know, typical market rate, um, where I'm going with this is, 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 and, and perhaps this is a little bit of the nonprofit work that you're a part of upcycled food association might, might, might be a part of this. Is this something that I should be excited about from a standpoint of, um, you know, potentially lowering the cost of food or different types of food over time as it scales and as, you know, food is upcycled is, or, or are there, are there other things in play here that I shouldn't get my hopes that much, but, you know, I'm always looking for, yeah. you know, if there's a there's yeah. the magic bullet out there, right. That all of a sudden that, you know, everything's 50 cents on the, you know, for, yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah it's like the yeah, the magic bullet of yeah, better better tasting better for you better for the planet and better price right right and that's certainly possible at least with regrain that's that's 
let's go. So what I want to be careful though is that we're not going to that we don't conflate the finished products, which include a number of ingredients, with the supply chain on the upcycled ingredient, right? So right, as yeah. A, so as a ingredient, you know, we do we will see the the price of that. Um, you know, at, at scale, be something that's really enticing for you know the reasons that you that you outlined, and depending on the final recipes that are developed. So like our regrain brand. You know, we're positioned as a, you know, on the more premium end of the spectrum. We're a Whole Foods brand, right? Mm -hmm. We are um, not crazy expensive. So it's a, it's a four servings in a bag. So it's a multi-serve bag. And they're priced, they'll be on the shelf for around three ninety nine for a, a, a four serving bag, uh, which is cheaper than some things in the chip aisle and yeah. more expensive than others. You know, it's, it's pretty similar price point to like a hip, like a hippies or a, a lesser evil, um, obviously more expensive than a Cheeto. Right. And that's, you know, part of, and, and part of that is also, you know, the, the whole goal of our consumer brand, it, you know, isn't to become this, you know, huge uh, entity in and of itself. It's kind of a marketing platform education platform for upcycling for this new supply chain I, you know i did just do like some back of the napkin math here like if we were to be in a hundred million dollar a year in sales brand which is a successful brand right not uh definitely like you know inching towards like some uh you know you're an established you're you're probably yeah, you're something yeah. at that point right yeah and that if we were to do that with our products we would still only work with one maybe two breweries Wow. So the way that we actually need to, you know, seriously thinking impact is by selling the ingredient and working with other uh, brands and, you know, food service companies and things like that to get this into, you know, every aisle of the grocery store and menus everywhere and, you know, a bunch of different applications. And that's, that's how we see ourselves, you know, making that, that longer term impact, but we need to create that market. And so we're using our brand as kind of a Trojan horse, and our branded products rather, you know, kind of as a Trojan horse for that, 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 that bigger vision, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the consumer becomes comfortable for it and then they eventually look for it. Um, so let's talk about where folks can find you again, uh, regrained.com and, uh, you are on social media as well. Um, so they can find you on yeah, Facebook that's regrained as well. Yeah. Just, Instagram. yeah, just, just at regrained everywhere. Yep. Awesome. Well, and I think there's a message here of uh, drink more beer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep us, keep us, keep us in business. Drink more beer. You know, right now more than ever to stay sane. It's probably important. <laughs> um, and yeah, we got some great kind of work from home snack packages available on our um, you know, on our website. So we'd love to get some folks some you know awesome snacks to their make you know brighten up their shelter in place right now awesome. and, and beyond i encourage people to support you um not only because you have convinced me that it's a good product but uh you can hear that you're mission driven and that you have a, a larger uh goal in mind here and i think uh any of our listeners can appreciate that as well so um want to thank you very much for dan joining us dan and wish you tons of luck um there's i would say no reason to not be rooting for uh you and your business partners on this one so thanks for joining yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity to, to share what we're up to. 
Thank you for listening to Beyond the Shelf, presented by Chef's Best. For more podcast episodes from inside the ever-changing food and beverage industry, visit chefsbest.com.